find somebody else in the industry that you look up to and that you admire, um, see their story and find inspiration in that. Because if they've done it, then you can do it. If there's somebody who thinks that I've done something that's good, then guess what? You can do it too. And that's probably the best advice that my father's given me. And it may seem simple, uh, but it's so complex too, because we spend so much time giving ourselves negative messages and negative imagery that a simple message that you can do it because he's done it can be enough. Rock stars. I meet some really dynamic guests on this podcast, and this week I'm speaking with Mr. Kevin Kelly. Now, he is not only a restaurateur, but also a trial attorney. Now, he has two locations of a concept called Kitchen and Cocktails, and it features Southern classic comfort food and craft cocktails in two locations, first Dallas and now Chicagoland. Now, Kevin is going to be dishing on the magic dust of restaurants. We're going to talk about company culture and leadership style, the importance of training, best practices during this labor crisis, and so much more. Really dynamic operator. You're not going to want to miss this. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Rockstars, let me tell you about Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed for restaurateurs by restaurateurs. Effective labor management is more important than ever to maximize profit and success, especially now as restaurants begin to reopen and expand their teams. Trusted by over half a million restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to simplify scheduling, easily manage time and attendance, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll systems you already use and trust, turning your team into a competitive advantage to your business. Right now, Restaurant Rockstar's listeners can get three months absolutely free. Get started now at sevenshifts.com forward slash restaurant rockstars. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com forward slash restaurant rockstars to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Now on with the episode. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, and we are so stoked today. We have Mr. Kevin Kelly. He is a restaurateur and a trial attorney, and he's got so much to share. Welcome to the show today, Kevin. How are you? I'm, I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me on today. Well, you know, this podcast is really all about, you know, getting people to rediscover the passion behind why they got into this business in the first place. And obviously the pandemic has been devastating to our industry and now the labor crisis and it's one thing after another, but you sort of exude passion for this business. So I'm really excited to talk to you. Let's begin by, you know, my audience knows my very first question is usually about your restaurant backstory. Did it start when you were young? Did you have early inspirations? Did you cook as a kid in the kitchen with your mom or your grandmother, any of that kind of stuff? It could be anything. And then what's your career trajectory that led you to found these super successful restaurants? You know, it didn't start any of those ways. Um, for the past couple of years, I've been in America year round, but for the five years before then, I lived in Europe. So I was in Spain for four years and I was in Paris, France for one year. So during that time frame, I would work five days in America, live in Europe 10 days, five days in America, fly back to Europe for another 10 days. So while I was there, either the food was bad or the places that had food were so fantastic and so creative. And I said, you know, what I'd ultimately like to do is bring something similar to America, but I'd like to do it with the food that I enjoy. And that's where Kitchen and Cocktails came from, where we've got uh, fantastic Southern food, but we also have a good vibe too. You always hear music, it's Instagrammable. It's just a fun, creative place for us. So I think being in Europe and missing American food is what led to the concept. 
So I understand that you've got kids that were real strong soccer players, soccer stars, you might say. That's what brought you to Europe? Yeah, I've got a couple of kids. They're 16 and 15. They play soccer a lot. My 16-year-old has been with the U.S. national team set up since he's been 12 years old. My 15-year-old is probably a little better. I'll tell them some days. It just depends on the day. But these guys play a lot of soccer, and that's, that's what keeps them competitive, and that's what's allowed dad to travel. Yeah, that's been amazing. Like, what a great lifestyle that is, you know, and you support your kids. And if they've got passions, it's like you take it to the limit for them. And I've got two daughters, you know, they're competitive skiers and volleyball players, and it's a similar situation. And they're about similar ages to your kids as well. Kitchen and cocktails is all about comfort food and about craft cocktails. Where exactly did the concept come from? Let's talk all about the vibe. You mentioned that um, earlier. I was on your website. First of all, I love your logo, and I think your website is fantastic. I've always believed that a great restaurant website literally brings you into a place, and and you can experience the vibe and the food and the ambiance and the service and everything you're going to experience online before you even get there. And if it's done effectively, it's actually going to drive business to your restaurant. So I think you hit it out of the park on that one. But let's talk about where that concept came from. And, you know, is it an influence? Because you also have a restaurant in Dallas. So it started there. But let's let's talk about the vibe. Are the two vibes similar? Is the concept similar in Dallas to Chicago? Tell us about that. Yeah, the concept is essentially the same. With kitchen and cocktails, we don't want a one-off location. We want a concept that's going to scale. So our goal is to expand the restaurant across the country. So Chicago was our second location, but uh, they're essentially the same. With Dallas being the first one, you know, obviously just like having kids, when you have your first kid, you make all the mistakes, but then when you have your second one, you try to get it a little better. So second kid, we're still making some mistakes, but the restaurant is a little bit better in Chicago. It looks nicer in Chicago because it's the second time around, but uh, Dallas is home for this concept and that's, that's where things started. So you got about 10,000 square feet in Chicago. Is Dallas literally similar, the size, the number of seats, all that sort of thing? Are they different? You know what? Dallas is actually about 5,500 square feet. Oh, okay. Almost half the half Chicago, the we made the decision to go with a much larger footprint because it, the dem- demographically, Dallas and Chicago look the same. However, Chicago has about twice as many people as Dallas when you're talking about the center of the city and when you're talking about the main parts of Chicago. So that's why we made the decision to go from 5,000 to 10,000 square feet. The theme features black and white photographs of people like Michael Jordan and Oprah Winfrey and Kanye West and you know Barack Obama even. Is it the same again in Dallas and Chicago? And do you know these people personally or how did the photographs come about? You know, it's, it's a similar vibe. Um, Dallas and Chicago have similar art, except for Chicago has a little bit more creative art. Uh, between the Dallas and the Chicago location, I opened a club uh, in a building that I own in Dallas called Club Vivo. And when we did Vivo, we made the space interactive. So instead of using still art, we uh, installed LED screens and that allowed us to place art on those screens that we could switch up, we could customize. And so when the Chicago restaurant location came around, we said we wanted to take our art to a different level and do the same things. Uh, when you talk about some of the images that are in the restaurant, when you see a Barack Obama, you see a Kanye West for Chicago, you see a Harold Washington, all figures who are important for the city of Chicago. Um, we wanted to make it location specific. Uh, now, they happen to be black figures, but we also understand our base clientele as well. My clientele is probably 70 percent black. And I wanted a restaurant that they feel comfortable in. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I want to serve every single body. I want to serve a white person, a Hispanic person, a green person. I'm just like any other restaurateur. We want to make sure we have our seats filled up. Uh, but in catering to who my minority majority clients are, that art was important. It makes them feel good. It makes them feel comfortable. And like I've told people before, I've been very candid. You know, I've walked into so many different Italian restaurants and other restaurants, and you see historical figures and people who've been important to their culture, and you never see a black person on the wall. I wanted to try to give 
black people an opportunity to have a restaurant where they see people that they're familiar with and even white people who may not be familiar with certain people like a Harold Washington, who's been fantastic for Chicago and understand their accomplishments and make them think about what another culture is as well. So it can not only be a good cultural experience for black people, but it could be a good cultural experience for white people as well. That's wonderful. And and it's also really noble because you're a big supporter of black and minority owned businesses in general. You promote that. And, you know, food, of course, is the universal language. It brings people together and it's really inclusive. So I really love that sort of angle that you've got there. Now, the downtown of Chicago must be, well, it's been a couple of years since I've been to Chicago, but I know it's a really vibrant, you know, business oriented during the day. Now you're doing lunch, you're doing dinner, you're doing brunch. Do people primarily business people come in for lunch, but then everyone comes back for dinner and brunch because it is such a concentrated restaurant attraction in downtown Chicago? That's exactly how it is. You know, during the lunch crowd, the yeah. lunch crowd is a little bit lighter than the dinner crowd. Uh, lunchtime, you have business professionals or people who can't get a reservation for the nighttime on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Uh, but the, the night times are packed, especially on a Friday, Saturday, or, and Sunday. Those are the times that people want to be in the restaurant. And on Saturday and Sunday, our brunch is really, really a packed uh, period as well. So when you were in Dallas, obviously that was your first operation. Did you automatically know that Chicago was the next logical step to build the next restaurant? And then after Chicago, you've got a next logical city to go into. Maybe it's Miami, maybe it's LA. I don't know, but is that kind of how your plan goes? You know, I didn't, I didn't know in the beginning, you know, I did some research. I looked at data and I narrowed things down to a few cities and Chicago gave me a great feel. The people have been fantastic. They treated me great. Um, there's been nothing about the city of Chicago that I haven't loved. So I'm really, really glad about the decision to be there. I will say this though, now that it's getting cold in Chicago and I'm having to buy all these coats, I am thinking, you know, why in the hell didn't I go to Miami first, but we'll get there eventually. <laughs> so you're not a cold weather guy and you're in the windy city now. Welcome to Chicago land. <laughs> so how did you find the location? Now you're across the street from the Trump International Hotel and Tower, which is right in the heart of the action. So how did you find that location? Did it just happen to be vacant at the time? Did you realize that someone was going out and here's the perfect spot for a kitchen and cocktails? How'd that come about? You know what? Um, this is a tip for other restaurateurs out there, people who are looking for locations. Having a fantastic real estate agent was everything for me. Uh, I've got a real estate agent named David Goldberg, who's in Chicago. David's become a buddy of mine. If it were not for David, I would not have a prime location. I'm really thankful for him. He showed me a number of properties. And sometimes my concept isn't a fit for real estate owners, which is an issue that I've run into in Dallas. You know, my clientele are my concepts. But David was able to see past everything and focus on the concept, focus on the revenue and find us prime real estate. And the owner of the building happens to be a fantastic guy as well, who believes in opportunity. And he gave us a chance to bring our concept to Chicago. And so uh, we've honored his building and given him the same respect that I would want in Dallas because I own my building in Dallas. Uh, we've developed it nice. We made it a place that's going to appreciate and value for him because we've done well with the asset. And so David and the owner have given me every opportunity in the city, and I'm very thankful for him. Wonderful. Let me ask a question that's sort of financial related because being a 27 year veteran operator, it's like I've had multiple locations. I've built restaurants from scratch. I've owned the real estate. I've leased spaces. I, I've done all of that. But in a world class city like Chicago, obviously the rents have got to be really, really enormous. And you've got to have tremendous volume to support just that one nut alone. Is that pretty much the way it goes? And is, are you cranking all the time? And then what happened during the pandemic? You know what? Um, we just have to be successful, period. Rent aside. And if we're successful with our concept, then paying rent isn't an issue that we have to worry about at all. 
Um, for me, I love real estate. So again, in Dallas, the building that we're in is 53,000 square feet and I own that building. And we take over 5,000 square feet there. In Chicago, I don't, but I've got a future concept coming in Chicago and I'm under contract now to purchase a building in River North so that I can own the real estate and so that I can bring a concept that I own to my own building. But um, that's just kind of how, how the cookie has crumbled with real estate. But again, rents are important. And it's you know what I'm learning from this real estate business too, because I'm a baby in this thing. I'm in it two years plus. Uh, what I'm learning is that if you want the real estate, ultimately you have to pay for it. It's the golden rule. The person with the gold makes the rule or, or that golden rule. And these landlords have what they have. And if you want their space, you have to give them what they want. Of course. Now, our audience is pretty diverse. We have restaurateurs in major cities like Chicago and Dallas. We have the independent people in Nebraska. I ran restaurants in the state of Maine, and you're probably going to laugh to hear that my liquor licenses for 20-something years were about 1500 bucks a year, okay? I can't imagine what you must be paying in the hundreds of thousands for a liquor license in Chicago or Dallas. Is that the way it is? No. In Dallas, it was a relatively easy process. My attorney, mm -hmm. Kyle Fox, worked with the state of, uh, of Texas. And our liquor license process may have been less than 20,000 bucks. Oh, amazing. In Chicago, our liquor license acquisition process hasn't been diff difficult. I've got an attorney named Zubin in Chicago who's been fantastic. And, you know, these things are all just parts of business. And these are things that you have to assume or you have to put into your projections to make sure that when these costs or expenses come about, you're not caught off guard so you can move smoothly. All right. Let's talk about the menu now. Comfort food. Now you have a Southern influence, right? And right. we're talking about fried chicken and we're talking about lobster tails and we're talking about shrimp and you've got grits and black eyed peas and obviously black influence dishes as well, mixed with Southern cooking. Am I missing anything? What else you got? No, we've got, you know, lamb chops are actually our, one of our top sellers, yeah. if not our top seller. But again, you've got the shrimp and grits, mac and cheese, the lamb chops, uh, our chicken, we do it a little bit different. We, we sort of say elevated. So you can get our chicken in traditional Southern fried style, or you can get it Nashville hot. You can get it smothered in gravy, or you can get it with our special Asian, Asian Hennessy sauce that we sell. So we try to be creative with some of our food dishes also. And of course, we've got our desserts. We've got our peach cobbler. We've got our um, uh, banana pudding also. But what's helped us a lot too, though, is I didn't go into the restaurant business just to say, hey, we've got fantastic food and to leave it at that. Our drinks are an attraction to guests also. So we've got cotton candy cocktails. We've got uh, dried ice cocktails that create for people as well. So that's been a good thing for us. We're, we're, we're excited and we just love the food. We love the drinks. I mean, even hear me talk about it now. Uh, my favorite drink, you didn't ask me, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Tell me anyway, please. It's called the, the True Flame. And it's a drink that we make with rum and a couple other liquors. And they make it in front of you and they pour it tableside. So you'll see the bartender pouring liquor back and forth, but the liquor is actually a flame of a flame of fire. So that's probably my favorite drink. Beautiful. That was inspired by a trip to Columbia. Well, you know, you're speaking my language because 27 years ago when I started my first restaurant, I believed that the restaurant business was show business. It was entertainment. It was all about everything having what I call wow factor. And you want to dazzle your guests on a daily basis. You want to give them what the competition can't give them. You want to set yourself apart in a unique, you know, differentiated way. And you're obviously doing that. So your website, again, if I go back to that website, what I saw I had wow factor, professional photography. It brought me right in. I could literally taste the food, the cocktails you're describing. I mean, amazing photography. So this is a lesson to other operators out there. It's like, make your website really dynamic and make sure that your customers, even if they're first time visitors, before they even get there, give them a taste of your operation right from you know online. So tremendous job there. And that's, so, and that, that's yeah, actually ahead. worked in progress for us too, because you know our website Right now is not what it was last month and it's not what it was two months before we continue to make additions so for example two months ago you couldn't order food directly from our website you had to go to a delivery app so mm -hmm. now we've added that feature 
Um, even our QR code that we work with that's associated with our restaurant, at first it identified all the food items. Now it identifies the food items, but it also has a photograph of what they look like as well so we can be more visual. So, you know, that website is important and we're, we're certainly not where we want to be. You know, there's so much work that we have to do, uh, but we're trying. But again, the website is a decent one. And I've got a young man named Cameron Pate that works in-house for me in my advertising department, and he makes all that happen. Let's talk about technology because you just sort of alluded to that fact. And I think that there's a certain amount of necessary technology, especially as we emerge from the pandemic. The pandemic forced so many of our operators to shift and pivot their operation. It no longer worked the old way. Government regulations clamped down. Suddenly, online ordering became absolutely critical, all that kind of stuff. So technology has enabled all those things. What, what is the necessary tech that your restaurants absolutely can't live without? You know, obviously, our point of sale system is probably number one for me. Um, as the owner, I have to get data and I've got to get data every single day. I need to wake up and see what our numbers were. I need to see what's selling. I need to see what's not selling. Um, we had an issue earlier this week with a waffle that we have. It's called the Oreo cookie waffle. And that was the one thing on the menu that I didn't personally approve, but they start selling it in Dallas. And so I said, let's take it off the menu because I haven't approved it. And also give me the data to show me what this waffle has done. Well, the data didn't show that it was performing well and I didn't approve it. So that was a great reason for me to knock that off the menu. Uh, but that POS system that we have is, is probably everything to us in Dallas and Chicago and with my club in Dallas also. May I ask what uh, POS system you're using? Yeah, sure. We use uh, Upserve. Oh, okay, great. I've, I'm well familiar with Upserve. Fantastic. Well, so good. We you are not only a restaurateur, Kevin, you're also an entrepreneur. You mentioned you own real estate building in Dallas. I'm sure you're involved in multiple things. And as a entrepreneur versus a restaurateur, you're making a clear distinction because so many restaurants that I come across, so many operators I talk to run restaurants. They don't necessarily run businesses. It takes systems to run a business so that you can step away and you've got a dream team that you would call it as well, that literally has your back and they run it as if they owned it. And then you can have the big picture from 30,000 feet. You can go out and start other businesses. You can spend more time with your family. You're not tied to your restaurant 24 seven. And I know the pandemic has forced a lot of people with the labor crisis to be back in their restaurants, but what's the key to your success and it must be delegation to top management and training and all those things. Let's cover those bases. You know what? I, I would say this, even when you say the key to my success, I kind of cringe because I don't feel like I've been successful or, or successful enough. It's a work in progress for me. Um, even in terms of building a team, you know, I've been an attorney and entrepreneur, but the restaurant business is actually forcing me to be the best businessman that I can be because, you know, obviously I have a, a lot more staff. With my law firm, I've got 30 people. Uh, with my restaurants, I've got nearly 250 people. So that requires a different, a different amount of strategy, different amount of planning, a different, it's, it's, it's different growth. And so one of the things that we've had to do is restructure my companies. And so everything is listed under Kevin Kelly Concepts, even though they're separate entities, but it's forcing me to, I now have a CFO, um, I have a COO, I have three advisors on my executive team, and I've got a general counsel as well. And so obviously as the owner, I'm in my position, but these other seven people who are with my executive team, they help make decisions and they're strategically placed in certain concepts. So I've got one advisor who's with the restaurant in Dallas, one with one advisor with the restaurant in Chicago, and I've got an advisor um, with my club in Dallas. And so those people are extensions of me, uh, but also it's team building underneath that as well. You know, the general managers understand they report to my executive team. Uh, my advisor, Michael Ashton, who goes to the restaurant in Dallas, everyone knows that, you know, hey, I'm not present, but Mike is me. So he's the boss. He makes sure the GM is on point because beyond the restaurant, he's been by my side for 20 plus years. So he knows how I think and he knows what I want. 
Uh, when it comes to my club in Dallas, Aaron Brown is the advisor there. So they know that when Aaron's there, he may not speak to all the staff. He may not speak to all the bartenders, but they understand that he's there because he's to oversee the GM that's in place. Um, and when it comes to the restaurant in Chicago, I've got Chris Petrie, who's been with me for 25 years or so. He's like an br- older brother to me. And, and, and Chris understands what I need, what I should be doing, what has to be done. And he ensures that the Chicago restaurant is in. Matter of fact, it's been 27 years with Chris. And so he understands how the Chicago restaurant should run. And so those people that are my core people that have been with me through all the other businesses with the law firm, whatever I do, they're going to be there. They allow me to, to create to come up with other concepts, to come up with ideas because they understand what I personally want for my spaces. Are you traveling back and forth much between Dallas and Chicago? I am. I am. And I'm loving it too. Southwest Airlines has been treating me great. Uh, the hotels in Chicago have been nice to me and I'm, I'm yeah. enjoying it. It's, it's a good challenge. And for me, I'm really happy because it's a chance to employ a lot of people, but to give a lot of people opportunity too. Um, when you talk about a minority business and the importance of it, um, my staff is primarily minority, but when you go to the other restaurants in Chicago, you don't see people who are minority when you see servers, when you see managers, when you see uh, bar leads, when you see GMs. And so what I'm doing is I'm not only serving the public, but I'm also giving opportunity to these people who work on my concept that may not get them from some of the other established restaurants in Chicago, uh, not necessarily because they don't want to, but maybe because they're so established, they can't take a risk on young talent, which I do. And so it's ups and downs with it, but I, but I love that part of the process. Well, diversity and opportunity certainly go together. That's wonderful. For sure. Let's go back to the attorney piece. Are you spending much time? Are you still actively working as a trial attorney? Are you on the prosecuting side, the defense side? Do you do both? How does that work? Yeah, most definitely. So my law firm keeps a large number of cases each year. Um, As the owner of the firm, I've got a team that, again, is structured to handle all of these cases. But the two or three biggest cases each year that we bring in, I'll personally work on those so I can keep my skill set sharp as an attorney, but so that I can also develop the young attorneys underneath me. I've got a fantastic lady named Patricia Morgan, who's seven years in as an attorney, and she's recovered tens of millions for families. But like I tell Patricia, I still remind her I'm a better attorney than her. So when the big cases come, we fight about who's going to handle that case, who's going to take the lead, who will be the lead negotiator in the case. But you know, that's important for me, too, because that skill set, again, that same skill set that's helped me be successful as an attorney for nearly 20 years has applied to the food and beverage industry, has applied to the club industry also. And if anything, it's taught me the lesson that uh, success is transferable. So if there's anybody who's in the restaurant industry or who aspires to be in the restaurant industry, but is successful somewhere else, those same reasons that have made them successful elsewhere can make them successful in the restaurant industry, even though you do have to adjust and you have to learn a new industry as well, like I'm doing now. Sounds like you got a really exciting life, Kevin, and I'm sure no two days are alike for you, are they? They, they are not. They are not. But I'm, I'm very thankful. I'm very fortunate. I get so much support from uh, the community. I've got a PR agency called the Haran Agency out of Chicago. That's fantastic. And, you know, if there, there's a common theme, if anything, through this call. Um, I'm naming people. And I'm naming people because these people are responsible for the success that we're having. And so it's not me. It's really the team that's, that's having it happen. And I'm just fortunate enough to be able to pick some of them and put them in places to have success. Now, with everything you've got going on, how many hours a week would you say you spend in your, in your restaurant operation? Probably, probably 50 hours a week in my restaurant operation. Oh, wow. No kidding. So you're really involved then. You're very active. And- 50 restaurant, 20 yeah, long wow. firm, and 10 nightclubs. So about 70 to 80 hours a week, depending on the week. Wow. And you got a ton of energy still. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. You know what? I'm, I'm happy with, with the opportunities that have been presented to me. I'm very thankful. Uh, like you talk about, you know, us coming out of a pandemic. And, you know, the pandemic was a horrible time for so many people across this world. 
But my team was able to find a way to create throughout the pandemic. And we've been able to create concepts that are going to generate or that are generating tens of millions a year and that are employing hundreds of people. So we're very blessed, fortunate, and we're very, very thankful for everything. Did you or are you having challenges with staffing and how are you dealing with that? For sure. You know, my people ask me, what is my biggest challenge in running these businesses? And the number one challenge is talent. That is the number one challenge we have because the better talent we have, the less work I have to do. You know, there's a, there's sure. a, a P. Diddy video that floats around the internet that in the video, he says he doesn't want to do any work. He pays too many people. All he wants to do is walk around and smell the roses. And I understand where he's coming from, uh, but that's a talent conversation too, because when you have the right talent, as an owner, you have less operating to do. You can own and you can enjoy the benefits of, of, of your labor, but I'm not there yet. And so as I build this team, I have to get the right back of the house talent, the right front of the house talent. And even in bringing that talent in, I also know myself as a person, and I've decided to take the risk or take the hit of, of hiring young people who aren't developed um, for the moral feel good of knowing that I'm giving people an opportunity, but also for the professional feel good that if I give these people an opportunity that no one did before, there will be some kind of built in loyalty or credit that my brand will receive later on in the process. And so, you, you know, it comes with it. You know, when we opened the restaurant in Chicago, it was crazy. It was crazy the first weekend. It was overpacked. People were waiting 30 minutes, an hour for their reservation, and they were frustrated. Um, the drinks weren't right. The food wasn't exactly how I wanted it to be. Um, but it was a learning process. But part of the reason it was that way is because I hired a young team. You know, I hired seven managers, and all of them were, were young and new to the process. Two of them had worked with me, had worked with me before. Um, but it, it comes along with it. So there are ups and downs to that philosophy, too. But again, I think it's going to bear more fruit than it will bad in the end. You'll get over those bad reviews in the beginning. You'll get better reviews. Your team will get stronger. And you'll have people who are loyalists to your concept. Let's talk a little bit about leadership. How would you describe your leadership style? You've got a lot of people employed between the law firm, between the restaurants, between the club. It's like you have a lot, you know, and it seems to me like you're really welcoming, open kind of guy that encourages others' ideas. I don't want to speak for you, of course, but tell us about that. I have to tell you about Bear Robotics, a Silicon Valley startup that's revolutionizing the standard of superior restaurant service. So we all know the headaches that come with running a restaurant. Our servers are constantly dashing for drinks, bussing tables, running food, and running themselves ragged. Factor in the recent labor shortage and skeleton crew dynamics, and it's enough to drive any staff mad. Well, Bear Robotics is here to fix this with Servi, a restaurant robot that takes care of all those repetitive tasks while allowing your staff to focus on the finer points of outstanding service and real human interactions. Yep, the personal touch. This all leads to happier customers, higher ratings, and greater employee retention. Listen, Rockstars, these robots are able to map and navigate your entire restaurant, even with multiple models in use. And they're also the only restaurant robots that are NSF certified for health compliance. Now, all those repetitive tasks like running food, bussing tables, and delivering drinks, Servi handles it, and you can lease one for as little as $3 per hour. Visit bearrobotics.ai forward slash restaurant rockstars to get started today. This changes everything. I am. I am welcoming. I encourage the ideas of others because I believe I have good ideas, but I don't believe my ideas trump the ideas of 300 plus people combined. And so my doors are always open and my email is always available for my staff to communicate things with me. And, and, and there's, I think the two most important things in this world are probably love and ideas. And so if people that are on my team have ideas and I, not only do I want to hear them, um, I need to hear them. 
Um, as far as a leader, I'm very direct um, because I don't have a lot of time. And I always want to know where I stand with people. And so some people can't deal with you when you are direct, uh, but a lot of people will appreciate it because they want to know where they stand. And so my staff always knows where they stand with me. You know, if I think that some of my sous chefs aren't cutting it and I need to find other ones, I tell them, hey, you guys aren't cutting it. I need better sous chefs here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to post ads for other sous chefs. So between now and if I find better talent, you have an opportunity to be the best talent. So no one can take your job. But if you're not going to be on point, then I owe this concept and these customers the absolute best. Um, my mom works for me in my companies. My father works for me in my companies. Fantastic. The leadership style is the same with them too. You know, when you have different, for me, having different concepts from a law firm to a restaurant to club, uh, market investments, real estate, um, I can't change my personality as I go from place to place to place. I have to be authentically me. And in being authentically me, you know, I hope people accept the leadership and I hope they understand the vision and what we're trying to accomplish. And, you know, for those who do, we're going to have a fantastic ride. And for those who don't, I wish them well elsewhere. You know, I think culture is super important in restaurants. Could you describe what your company culture is all about? Yeah, for sure. Our company culture is really to serve guests with compassion, to work hard and, and to operate with high character too. Character, hard work and compassion have been attendants of my business for a number of years. And those things are important. So when you talk about the character side of things, I want people who are honest people. You know, I want people who won't lie to a customer if we don't have something. I, I want law, attorneys in my law firm who maybe the facts don't work well in our favor, but we're not going to go to court and lie about it because we can't create the facts. Our, our case is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, when you talk about hard work, um, I want people who are going to work hard because it's not only going to benefit my customers, but it's going to benefit them too. And I understand what hard work has done for me. And I've got two kids who watch me and I won't let them accept anything other than a hardworking father and for them to be hardworking. So my companies have to represent that also. And especially for some of the developing people that we have, you know, I've got uh, a fantastic executive chef named Vanessa Brown, who will put in a lot of hours during the week just to work. And I respect her for that, but she has to do that if she wants to go to a higher level. Um, my uh, lead attorney, Patricia Morgan, is just uh, phenomenal when it comes to work and being involved in everything. And she, so to say, gave herself that general counsel position because she's at the law firm, but her job is to protect me and protect my interests. So now she's involved in the club. Now she's making sure the restaurant is right. She's making sure there are no issues with inspections, making sure all the insurance policies are right. And so just her caring so much about this concept is why she stepped into that role and why she gets another check now as well. So um, that's important, but also compassion. And compassion is really, really big because the people who walk through our doors don't have to walk through our doors. Um, if we serve thousands of people a week, I guarantee you that at least one, if not a number of those people may be suicidal, have lost someone in their family. Maybe their significant other has left them. Maybe they're thinking about getting a divorce. They could have a kid who's sick. You know, we had a, um, a video session that we did with um, the news in Chicago and a phenomenal woman named Val Warner came and, and did an interview with me. And the videographer who came with her explained that his uh, child was recovering from cancer. And so it was important that not only we did a good video, but that I treated him right, I treated him with respect, and that I gave him food to go home with for his family. You know, it's important that we understand that we can make a difference in people's lives when they come in. And, and, and that's everything. And so uh, character and, and compassion and hard work are everything to us. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing. Let's talk about onboarding and staff training philosophies. That is a critical part of any restaurant. It sounds like that's a foundational element in yours as well. Yeah, we're working on it. And again, my brand is a couple of years old. So we're going through the ups and downs of onboarding. I'd love to sit on this call and tell you guys how perfect my operation is and how smooth things are. Uh, but that's just not the reality of it. 
Onboarding for us is a process because we have to make sure everyone's in the system. Because if everybody's not in the system, then you have an employee that doesn't have their hours and they think you're stealing money from them and they think you're never going to pay them. You know, those things are important. Um, and having the right structure too, and making sure these managers hire, because if your managers don't hire, then there is no onboarding to be done because it's a shortage of talent. So what I've had to do is to ensure that my uh, executive chef is not talking to busters and food runners and dishwashers. She has to have her chefs and sous chefs do their job and interview that talent so they can develop on the administrative side of things too. You know, it's important that my uh, system-wide GM not talk to um, to, to bartenders, not talk to food runners. She needs to interview other managers and focus on that level of talent so we can ensure that our management ranks are proper. And so that probably is it with me. The onboarding thing isn't a big deal because once we get them, we can put them in the system, but really it's about receiving the talent or, or, or getting the talent and then retaining them. That's, that's the biggest thing. Let's shift gears a little. You talked earlier about um, the gentleman who does your website and you've got an advertising department in your restaurant. Let's talk about marketing. What's most effective for you? How much marketing do you do? Is it social media based? Is it any old school marketing? It's like, how do you create and sustain a buzz in this crazy fickle business called restaurants? You know, word of mouth in Dallas did everything for us. I'm from Dallas. Um, my six degrees of separation is very, very strong. And I've fortunately build some credibility with people in the city. And so when I announced I had a restaurant and I communicated with those people in advance and let them know what was coming and I asked them would they give me their support and let everybody they knew know that I had a restaurant coming. And that word of mouth is really what led to Dallas being sold out from the beginning. Um, Instagram is major for us. And when you talk about Instagram, we do the best job that we can to put out images of our food, to put out images of our drinks. But again, we're far from perfect too. I mean, we had meetings earlier this week to say, hey, we've got photographs of our food, but it's not enough. We don't have the videos that will be attractive to reels. We have the food that looks great when it sits still, but let's give them an image that they feel like they can see and touch and taste by going a bit further with our advertising. So that's the next step for us to work, to work towards reels, to work on TikTok, you know, all this, all this technology my kids have, man, it's killing me, but I, I know, it. right? The TikTok thing, right? It's so such a big deal right now, especially with my kids. So we talked about craft cocktails. We talked about the flaming drinks now. And we also talked about your support of other Black-owned businesses. Now, I understand you serve alcohol and spirits from Black-owned companies. What are some of those? Yeah, we do. We have a drink that's called a Peach Douce Frozen, and it's a frozen peach cocktail. And Douce is a brand that's owned by the entrepreneur Jay-Z. Oh, so no kidding. Okay, gotcha. So that's really, really big for us. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, we have a, a pineapple power mule that is a mule that's made with Branson cognac. And Branson is a liquor that's owned by the entrepreneur 50 Cent. And I say entrepreneur because these guys have gone beyond just entertainment to be really, really good business people. Um, 50 Cent happened to come to the restaurant in Dallas and we sat down and we talked about his cognac and talked about his vision for his brand. Awesome. And he was such a nice person with such good character. And, and a lot of phenomenal business traits that it just made sense for us to sell this cognac, not only because of his personality, but in tasting the cognac, it was fantastic too. And so, you know, those are the kind of people that we want to support by any means necessary and, and they deserve support. I love it. Let's uh, go back a little bit about, um, you know, the labor crisis and the pandemic. Well, let's, let's start with the pandemic. Okay. Business is going, you're building a business. You're a super humble guy. I mean, you're very successful in my eyes, but you're a really humble down earth kind of guy, but you have developed a very successful Dallas restaurant. Now you're building your success in Chicago. And then all of a sudden out of left field, like it hit every restaurant in America and literally around the world. It's like, there's the pandemic. What happened to you? You know what? I, my Dallas restaurant wasn't open when the pandemic hit. Oh. We were in the construction process. Really? Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So 
It's literally been less than two years that your operations have been going. For sure. Okay. So that, with that Dallas restaurant. Um, Timing. <laughs> yeah. So when the pandemic started, I hadn't, I think I had just hired my chef. I didn't have a GM yet. Um, I didn't have a sous chef, didn't have a bar manager. But what we did though, we didn't stop. Kept we going, moving forward. We've got a vision. Yeah. People are going to have to eat at one point or another. And so we pushed forward with construction when there were so many opportunities to turn back. And we pushed forward with our opening. And things happened to align well. I think in August of 2020, I think Texas may have been at 50% capacity. And then sometime around when we opened on the 21st of, 1st of August, we may have went to 75% capacity. So things lined up well for us, but they only lined up well for us because at no point did we say, hey, let's delay this process for a bit. Let's wait for the economy to recover. Let's wait and see what this COVID thing is going to be. Now, on the building, we started construction. The money was in the bank to build it. Hey, let's, let's just build it and let's see what happens. Wow. You had that John Paul Jones philosophy, damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. <laughs> he kept going. Yeah, yeah. So I need, I need to make sure I'm dodging well so no torpedoes can hit me in the future. But this one happened to work out well for us. Fantastic. Kevin, have we missed anything? We've covered a lot of ground. What's next for you? You're just going to keep, like we said, building restaurants and city after city. And how big do you want your operation to be? Do you have that vision or is it going to be slow controlled growth? Do you want quick growth? I mean, what, what do you see in the future for you know kitchen and cocktails? We want to continue to grow. We believe in the concept. We love the concept and we believe there's a marketplace for us. And so uh, my goal and my responsibility as the owner is to scale this concept. So I'm spending quite a amount of time looking at real estate opportunities throughout the country to figure out where the next best locations are for us. Um, we want to have seven locations by the end of 2023. Uh, my club that's in Dallas, we plan to, uh, to scale that also. And I've got another concept coming to market too called Canvas that will be coming to Chicago and that's going to take things to a different level. And so with all these concepts, we want to do what a, uh, what a, what a group hospitality is doing in Miami with Komodo, with Swan, with Poppy Steak, with Club Live. You know, I, I'm reading a book now from Cameron Mitchell. Uh, I respect what he's done out of Ohio with his brands, uh, Ocean Prime and some of these other places that he has. You know, I respect, you know, so many of these people who are in the food and beverage realm of, of Phil Romano, who's got a Nick and Sam's in Dallas, but who's created ETs, Ruckers, and so many other places. Oh, sure. Yep. So I just like to just just continue the, the luck that we are, the fortune and blessings that we've had now and continue to create because I want to serve everybody across the country food. And we're young and we're just starting, but I believe there's a marketplace there. And if there are, you know, people who are watching this video who have the power, who have the authority to give my concept space or to give space to another minority entrepreneur, I think they should really be mindful of what I've been able to accomplish in a short period of time because you know, we go to work to be able to provide for our families and in giving minority concepts the opportunity to open, to have real estate, you know, other opportunities are going to happen for them, uh, but they're also going to happen for those landlords also, because that's probably the biggest challenge that I run into as well beyond talent, uh, access to opportunity. You know, my concept canvas that I'm opening in Chicago, in Chicago should open in the summer of 2022, uh, but there's no reason that concept should not be in Dallas yet. But the reason it's not in Dallas is because I don't have the real estate in Dallas. You know, I can only own so many buildings. And when I go to places to lease space, these owners have to be comfortable with my concept and with the demographic that I bring. And so these real estate owners need to understand that if you own property, you know, get you a tenant in there who's going to pay rent and give a minority a chance, give a small person a chance, give somebody who needs to be believed in an opportunity because it can work out for them, but it can work out for you too. You know, everybody's not going to have the the phenomenal track record of success as a lettuce entertainment has out of Chicago. And, you know, all these successful people that I talk about have earned their success, but somewhere along the way, somebody gave them an opportunity, uh, like a David Goldberg worked with me, like this real estate owner that I have now in Chicago worked with me. 
open up these spaces, find people like me and say, hey, we want you in our space. And you never know what's going to happen. Now, you've put great emphasis on being inclusive and giving other people opportunities. With that in mind and with scale in mind, do you see you always having company-owned locations or is franchising a possibility? Uh, I'm not interested in franchising now. Um, I've got 100% ownership of all my concepts, and I'd like to as long as I can push it that way. But if it comes to the point that I have to open up ownership to another group or some other opportunity or entity, uh, then I'm a businessman as well. You know, the most important thing is making sure that I have value for my customers, value for myself, and value for anybody who may believe in my concept or choose to be a part of a concept that I'm a part of. Fantastic. What's your best advice right now for operators? If they're still standing, they've made it through this pandemic, they've been beaten up really bad, they're still struggling with the labor challenge, but there is a light on the horizon. What's your best advice? Yeah, the best advice is to tell them that they can do it. Find somebody else in the industry that you look up to and that you admire. Um, see their story and find inspiration in that. Because if they've done it, then you can do it. If there's somebody who thinks that I've done something that's good, then guess what? You can do it too. And that's probably the best advice that my father's given me. And it may seem simple, uh, but it's so complex too, because we spend so much time giving ourselves negative messages and negative imagery that a simple message that you can do it because he's done it can be enough. That's fantastic. Kevin, you've been a huge inspiration to our audience, and I can't thank you enough for being on our podcast. Thanks to the audience for tuning in. Thanks to our sponsors. And that was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. Everybody stay well. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Kevin, for being a great guest on the podcast. Our goal here is to help inspire you to rediscover the passion of why you got into this business in the first place. These have been the most challenging times, of course, and the brighter days are certainly ahead, but you got to dig deep, get resourceful, be creative, learn as much as you can along the way. You know, that's certainly what I did when I ran restaurants. I immersed myself in restaurant culture, and I had a lot to learn when I first started in this business, but then I became so passionate about it, I wanted to share that passion with others. I had employees that rose up through the ranks, became managers, went on to, you know, start their own restaurants. It's incredible what you can do in this business. Now, there's lots of opportunity out there. Now, the pandemic has shuttered a lot of restaurants, and that's terrible, of course, but there's a lot of opportunity. There's lots of spaces out there, restaurant spaces that are already fit up with, you know, equipment and furniture in some cases. So there's a lot of opportunity for new operators, but it's a challenging road if you don't know what you're doing. Well, good news. We have something called the Restaurant Rockstars Academy, which is a complete crash course in everything you need to know and do to start your very first restaurant. And not only start it and open the doors, but to run it successfully and profitably. But it's also for those veteran operators that just want to put systems in place in their restaurants to really dial it in to transform and up-level their operation. So to start, we have a complete logistics section. Again, for those newbies, it's everything you need to know to open the doors. And then it goes on to staff training, development, recognition, and rewards, the critical numbers, your cost controls, and how to maximize profit in a restaurant, marketing firepower, how to build new and repeat business for very little money, and then efficiencies across your organization. It's really a roadmap to your success, whether you're starting your first place or you've been in business for a while. So check it out at restaurantrockstars.com. It's called the Restaurant Rockstars Academy. I'd like to thank our sponsors for this week, Seven Shifts. 
Gifts and Bear Robotics. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to leave us a question. Halfway down the show notes, you'll see that button that says, Ask Us Anything. You can record a message to me. I'll listen to it, record an answer right back, and you might hear your question on the air in a future episode. So stay tuned to the next one. We'll be back at you real soon. People go to restaurants for lots of reasons. What the customer doesn't know is the thousands of details it takes to run a great restaurant. This is a high-risk, high-fail business. It's a treacherous road, and smart operators need a professional guide. I'm Roger. I've started many highly successful, high-profit restaurants. I'm passionate about helping other owners and managers not just succeed, but knock it out of the park. You don't just want to run a restaurant. You want to dominate your competition and create a lasting legacy. Join the Academy, and I'll show you how it's done. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.